White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 693. This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry, and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers! For the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. Hello and welcome to the AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment. And by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, our very own Patreon.com family. I'm Van Allen Plexico, as always. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, we've uh, got some basketball to talk about. A little bit of football stuff going on, too. And I and I get the sense that baseball's lurking out there in the, in the near future, too. So it's, it's an interesting time on the plains right now. It is, and I always, in my mind, I think, oh, we've got basketball season, and then we have the off season and stuff, but pretty soon we'll be having basketball season and football practice and baseball mm-hmm. season all at the same time. So. Yeah, I remember they I, – I actually, I came across this in the research, and I don't remember if I included it in the book or not. I think I did, but Chuck Person once was asked by a reporter, you know, like some, they said something like, are you guys – you know, what do you think about being like the second biggest sport on campus? And he said, no, the second biggest sport is spring football practice. <laughs> Maybe we're third, you know. And so that that's how it used to be. I don't think it's that way anymore, obviously. But uh, but there's still a whole lot of, well, for some, right. But there's a whole lot of people that are certainly watching the uh, the off season. And, um, oh, by the way, I got to mention, I just, I'm, I'm excited just to look at it. So you and I, you know, as, as our listeners know, we just record the audio for 98, 98% of our podcasts, but we do see each other. It makes it a lot easier to do our show. We can, it's like we're in the same room almost. And we, I found this really cool Jordan-Hare Stadium picture to go behind us. So John and I are like, it's like we're sitting there on the sidelines. He's coaching one team and I'm coaching the other. <laughs> on, maybe it's A-Day. Maybe it's a day. You got the you got the but look. You're wearing blue. I'm wearing white. You're coaching the blue team. I'm coaching the white team. There we go. That's good. So, um, but yeah, we're blitzing so, every play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so screwed. <laughs> Quick screens, guys. Quick screens. So, um, so yeah. The first thing I think we probably have to address is that it was not. We we had gone through a nice little run there of basketball. And then came last week, and it was almost like back at the Georgia game again where nothing went right, everything went wrong, and uh, it seemed like the other coach was in our huddle, and in some cases he kind of (laughs) was. And so, uh, yeah, we lost two games against two quality teams, to be fair. Um, We were certainly... We were in the Texas A&M game early more than it seemed, and, if, and we actually got out to like a 10-2 start and then kind of fell off. And then in the West Virginia game, um, we were down 17 just before halftime in that game, 
and actually came back and tied it. Tied the game with about a minute to go, but just couldn't quite hang on because that West Virginia team could hit a three-pointer almost any time they wanted to, it seemed like. Every, it, like there were about, it seemed like there were about 12 moments in the West Virginia game that we were right on the cusp of taking control of the game. And every time we would get right in position to grab them by the throat, that dude would hit a three-pointer and we'd be back by five, right? Or back by seven or back by three or whatever. And it just, it was the most frustrating. The West Virginia, the Texas A&M game wasn't fun. But that West Virginia game was the most, I think the most frustrating Auburn sporting event I've watched in a very long time. Because it, it when you're that far down, you almost give up. Then they give you hope and they suck you back in. And then once you're sucked back in, they caught, they claw and scratch and claw and scratch and come all the way back and they tie it and they, they uh, can't quite do it. And, of course, there's even a villain, that one dude that just kept making all the three-pointers and we couldn't stop him. We slowed him down in the second half. So, I mean, what do you make of those two games just kind of from the big picture first? And then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. In the big picture – We've lost both games in the first half. In both games, we've had the other team to score 45 points in the first half. Yes. And that both. that ain't going to cut it. No. Uh, and in both games, you know, we played a poor for, you know, half of offensive basketball. We didn't do much. Uh, they play great defense against us. In, in you know, the – the West Virginia game was, I think, was much more promising as you described the hopefulness of it because the comeback was so furious and the offense was so good in the second half mm-hmm. on the road against a good team. Yeah, that crowd was hostile and, and intimidating, and it was uh, a good team with a very, uh, you know, his, that coach is a very accomplished coach and everything. And so, um, it was astonishing to me how bad we looked when they went up 17. We just It looked like the wheels fell off. We couldn't make a shot, and then they'd go down and transition hit a three. We couldn't make a layup, they'd go down and hit a three. We, we, couldn't, even, we couldn't even drive the – you know, I always say, when all else fails, drive it to the rim and lay it in or dunk it. And we couldn't even do that because when we would have one of our guys take the ball to the rim – it seemed like they every single time they had three guys there waiting to collapse on them. And I kept thinking, well, if there's three guys crashing down low at the rim, surely somebody's open, you know, but they just couldn't get the ball to an open shooter that could make a shot. It was agonizing. And, and, and I guess in the second half, what finally worked was, was just getting it to Janai Broom and having him kind of muscle his way in and do some sort of sky hooks and things, right? I mean, that, that... And, you know, another thing that was missing from these two games, in neither one of these games did Wendell go off and have his run, you know, that he usually has toward the end That's of the right. game. And in neither one of these games did uh, did Jalen Williams have his usual early start where he knocks down, you know, a bunch to get three-pointers to get the, to get the game going. It was... It was nothing was working in the first half, and in the second half, maybe Broom. But what what was going on that was making it so bad? Is it just that this is how we're going to be against good teams, or did they know something, or what? What do you think? I think Texas A&M in particular 
you know, has us scouted really well. They're a bad matchup for us. They know exactly what we're going to do on offense, and they're ready for it. And they had a great defensive plan. I think um, there's a pattern also of big, talented guards going off against us. Yes. Memphis game, Shooting these over. two games, some other games where the other team has a big guard and they go off. And, and so Radford for Texas A&M, and they scored 30 in that game against us. Mm. And the other thing is they – what I'm talking about like a defense is they did that thing where they let Wendell come across half court and then they double teamed him and trapped him. Mm-hmm. And they caused all kinds of problems for us doing that. Uh, we could barely get a shot off sometimes with the way that was going. So that was a, a real problem. And, again, every time we never got clean looks in that game, uh, you know, we would pass the ball around and dribble around, and we'd end up with somebody with a terrible look with two guys in their face somehow. That was just frustrating, so. Yeah, they both games they had a guard that we couldn't stop. It, it was it in the second game and the A was it was in the West Virginia game that they ended up finally switching Jalen Williams to cover their shooter because we because he was just shooting over Wendell or whoever else. Seemed like it. And, and, and again, we don't. Have, this is the other thing we don't have any tall guards, right? Westry was supposed to be that guy to help with his matchups, and he's he had the injury and doesn't play, and so all the other. You know, perimeter players are pretty short, um, so that it does matter. This is the other thing about that guy Stevenson that killed us in the West Virginia game. Mm-hmm. We tried to get him to transfer to Auburn. Oh yeah, he could have used yeah, him. He was at South Carolina last year. No, no, we we tried to get him to be the transfer outside shooter guy. Oh gosh, man, well, we needed him, no doubt about that. <sighs> so. This is the other thing I want to say about the the West Virginia game. If we're talking about that one now, I just the, I'm just talking about both of them, sure. Yeah. So the we turned the ball over a lot. We had that gigantic second half comeback. We, you know, they made we played well. The other Trey Donaldson played well in the game. I thought thought he really made plays. And in a minute, we're going to talk about our man again. But there's a. There's a website and a, and a Twitter account that's called Shot Quality, and one of the things they look at is, like, do you take good shots? Like, where are you on the floor, and are you open and stuff? And are you taking, for you, for the, your team, is that a good shot? Right. And then they analyze that based on your shooting percentage from those locations on the floor, and it's a little bit like, um, you know, evaluating, uh, we talk in football about, if you replayed the game 10 times and it would happen the same way, how, how many times would you win or whatever? And basically the shot quality data for the West Virginia game says Auburn should have won the basketball game. That basically, specifically that guy Stevenson had a, about 11 more points than he right. normally ever should have. Yeah. And a lot of those were just kind of, at, he was on fire and those were kind of absolute luck three pointers. He was throwing up, he was guarded, he was off balance. He was, Okay, wow, we're back. We had a crash just now, John. I'm sorry about that. It, you know, it's funny. We've gone so long now with pretty good technical issues, other than you being blurry for a couple of months there. I'm knocking on, the on wood when you say that, Ben. Yeah, we, we, it was a good run, much, much like Auburn's home court winning streak. It was a good run, and much like Auburn's home court winning streak, it came to an end this week. 
well, there's last week, because something just blew out, and I think my Orbi booster Wi-Fi thing is dead, so we are now tapped into our regular modem, but it's two floors and the other end of the house away, so we'll see how this goes. Hopefully, it'll be all right. We we used to do it this way back in the day, and it was not great, which is why I went out to Costco and bought this thing, but uh, we'll see. Anyway... We, we are back with some semblance of connection now. We were talking about the basketball games, and so um, the, the main thing I wanted to get across was that, I'll just kind of summarize my last couple of points here about last week, which is that we have short guards, and it seemed like tall guards just shoot right over them. That's why they had to move Jalen Williams over to guard in the second half, and it seems like it's taking us until the second half of games to figure that out. We get so far behind, you know, we dig ourselves a hole doing that, and then our offense isn't working. So it's just been a very frustrating last few days with the basketball team. That's pretty much it. It has. I think we played two really good teams, and we didn't win. We knew the schedule was going to get tougher, and it is, and it's tougher from here on out. But we got to take what we – saw in the second half of the West Virginia game and bottle that and use it in the other games going forward. Amen to that. In the big picture of the NCAA tournament, losing on the road to a quad one team by three points will look fine on our resume. Yeah. So that doesn't hurt us from that perspective, but we really did kind of want to win the game too. So. Yeah, I saw that Bruce said we really blew an opportunity to get one that would have really helped us, and that's too bad, yeah. It is too bad. Um, yeah, and is it is it? Are we still talking to our children about KD Johnson? I don't think so because he came on strong in the second half of this game. He was confident. He was attacking. He made yeah. a difference, and I'm hoping that will give him a boost—not an irrational confidence boost, but a yeah. You can make play. All right, so we've got Georgia and Tennessee coming up. What do we know about Georgia that we didn't know before the last game? <laughs> they're better than we thought they were. Yeah. And they're much better than last year, but we're talented and better coached. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Their, their old coach is currently making little smirking comments on the game, on the uh, TV coverage when we're losing, which ticked me off, by the way. I didn't need to see yes. Tom Crean's smirky face on, on the halftime smirky show. He's got um, a very smack up, smackable smirky face. God mighty, that was awful. All right, so Georgia, yeah, they're tough. And then Tennessee, they're just a great defensive team, right? Is that? Yes, best, in, best defense in the country. Golly. And you think we have a hard time getting shots against a regular team. It's going to be every offense is going to be a struggle in this game. But, you know, Kentucky went in there and beat them. It's possible we have played well against Tennessee mm-hmm. in the last five years or so in these matchups. I think Bruce and his staff really get up for it. He's really focused in these. Um, and again, if they have great defense and we play great defense and it's a rock fight in the 40s or whatever, great, you know. But the problem is if you know they're playing great defense and we're playing good def- great defense, but they're getting good shots in. Exactly. Then- yeah, the one thing that gives me any hope at all is that we've kind of done to Tennessee the last few years what Texas A and M has been doing to us, and so maybe you know if there's if there's going to be an upset, and we did it against Arkansas. You know, we came out and played better than people expected against Arkansas. 
uh, although at the time we didn't realize Arkansas was not playing very well, um, then we could, uh, we could conceivably pull something off in Knoxville. It's not impossible. But I really do want to get revenge on Georgia because it's in Auburn. It's in Neville Arena. They did just beat us a couple of weeks ago, and it was the only loss we had in the SEC for a little while there, although that didn't last. Um, so, yeah, I, I really feel like um, these are two very important games, especially, like you say, considering what's coming up as we kind of – we got Alabama coming up, I guess, twice, right? Well, we got no, Kentucky coming up. This is what's coming. So, again, the, this is why the Georgia game in particular is so important. Yes. We've got to win and we've got to establish some positive vibes and some confidence because then it's, again, Saturday, Tennessee and Knoxville. Next Tuesday at College Station, the same A&M team. The Saturday after that, Alabama comes to town, Neville Arena. Mm. The Tuesday after that, Missouri comes to town. They're not bad. No, they're and not then, bad. <laughs> And then we get a little break. We get Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Yeah. And then it's Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee to end the season. So we got this. This is why this Georgia game is big. We need to win this game mm-hmm. because you look at like the Georgia game and like Missouri, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, those are the really winnable games on the schedule. And then you hope to beat, you know, maybe win one of these road games. So. Well, none um, of those will be easy. I mean, Missouri no, has been doing no. great. You, you no, look at Missouri and think, oh, there's our – You look at Missouri and start thinking, oh, there's a win. Uh, you better think twice. I mean, we struggled to beat – you know, we had to kind of – it's not like we walked away with Ole Miss when we played them a while back. You know, we had to fight our way through that mm-hmm. game. So nothing, nothing is going to be easy this year. And uh, we're going to have to scratch and claw in every single game. We've, we've got to maintain the good defense, and we've got to find more scoring. We've got to find more scoring, and it's just not where we expected. This year is feeling a lot like the Sharif Cooper year, unfortunately, where we still have some of the pieces, but the new pieces coming in, it's just not coming together right for whatever reason. You remember he only ended up playing like two months of the entire season for us. We had other, other issues and other problems that season, and – I think that was the season that Flanagan was hurt, just not playing at all as opposed to coming back and not playing great. I think that's right. We had other issues. So, yeah, we we really do need to win the winnable games because there's some that are going to be very difficult coming up, very difficult indeed. Um, All right, what about football going on? Let's turn the page to football for a minute. We had a big, big, big event on campus the last few days. So it was junior day, and you may have heard us – in the venting about the past coaching staff, uh, they had a, a disaster of a junior day yeah. last year. And this year, they had a, uh, the Auburn coaches had a huge junior day. They had over 200 top recruits on campus uh, to attract some, some potential candidates for next year's signing class. It went off very well. There, were, there was a lot of positive response from the recruits that were there. And a lot of big-name targets were there. And it was a very, very successful event. So. Have you heard those players that are saying how the current coaching staff just does not get them as excited as the previous staff? Have you heard those guys? No. Neither have I. (laughs) I don't think those players exist. No. Every one of them, to a man, has said, well, it was okay before, but now it seems really exciting, you know. And I mean, I I I I will concede that 
having the new football complex certainly helps, right? I mean, that's a big thing. That certainly helps. But I think the coaches, too, I mean, everybody so far has spoken highly of, of Freeze himself and of the assistants, like being very active, involved, engaging, laying out a plan, you know, having an idea, having, you know, a vision and so forth, as they say. The one kind of downer was I saw that Cadillac was sick. He didn't get to participate in it because he was, like, I guess, homesick. So, and one of the running backs was disappointed he didn't get to see him. So that's, but maybe he'll come back, right? I mean, maybe come back that's again right. and Caddy can drive him over to Guthrie's and get him some chicken fingers and they can have a good time. That would be fine. I'd, I I would be very excited to go and have Guthrie's with Cadillac and get inside me up, man. So, uh, yeah, a lot of recruits. And, I mean, we're working now on the 24 and 25, right? Even beyond that, yep. maybe a little bit, players. Yes. There's a um, – oh, I did see there's a uh, – all right, I, I was going to ask you about this. I saw a video highlight of Jeremiah Cobb running back highlights from last year. Have you seen this? Yeah, he's exciting. Good gosh. The the guy that was doing the highlights, the guy like the the MC dude, he was about to fall out of his chair. He was like, "Oh my goodness, look at this!" You know, so yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, he uh, it looked like there's a little bit of tank in him, you know, a little bit of tank, no, I, very fast, very shifty. I think he could be a star. I mean, I don't yeah. think he's a, just like a guy in the room. Yeah. I think he could be a star running back. So that's it's big. He was the guy that Cadillac picked out of all the running backs in the South last year year and said yeah. we want you mm-hmm. I, it still makes me I'll have to admit a tiny little bit nervous that he hadn't signed yet I know the deal he's waiting to his whole class is going to do it at once when they graduate or whatever whenever it is this spring but February yeah okay the regular, just, si- the regular signing regular day. Day. okay I, well that's almost here then I just need him to go ahead and do it I don't I, I've I've lived through too many of these very last second, I'm switching my commitment to Alabama. I will not be taking any questions at the press conference. Goodbye. I've had, I, it's a it's a business decision. Goodbye. I've had too many of those, John. Too many, too too many. That's fair. Over and over and over, that happened to us. So I don't want any more of those. Um, no. So I need I need uh, I need him, Jeremiah Cobb. I need him on our team on our sideline ASAP. Um, and it seemed like there was another good running back that they were talking to. So just keep keep them coming. Um, I did want to ask you about the quarterback situation. I don't think there is a quarterback situation, but I keep seeing people bringing it up, and apparently it's big message board fodder, which normally I don't pay well, attention to. I mean, I, let's be clear. What do we have a quarterback returning this fall? Right? Right. You know, we have a true freshman. We have an unproven Holden Gurner. Right. Who's, we don't know what we have. Mm-hmm. And we have a guy who played last year, and while he was hurt, he completed like 54% of his passes or whatever. And was very dynamic. Um, but it was very up and down. Yeah. You know, there were times when he couldn't throw the ball effectively at all. That's right. And so, you know, can we win – you know, more games with him as quarterback? Is it a development thing or is it a, you know, is he limited in his accuracy? We don't know those things, right? Um, was it injuries? Can he develop and, and take a big leap forward? Maybe. I mean, you saw some 
here and there things, but there was a great lack of consistency and accuracy. Um, so I think all I they, I will say this pretty definitively: there will be another quarterback on the roster when we play the first game. I think so. Now, I don't know whether that player will be starting or not. Maybe Ashford beats this player out in practice, or whatever. But there will be another quarterback on the roster. Well, by the time we play the first game, I think that's part of it. Is that some people are been out of shape. They think that we swung and missed on several quarterbacks we wanted, and I—that's not the really the the impression I got is the, the 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 Coastal Carolina guy was a done deal. We had him, and the the academic thing messed him up, and so that's not the coaching staff fault. That's not the football program fault. That's not the sports fault. That's just that's just an academic thing. And then um, there were there was like one other one that we got in on kind of late, and he'd already decided to go to Kentucky. And then there's the guy that was at Oklahoma State, and honestly, I, I, I don't never think wanted we re- that guy. Yeah, we never really wanted that guy. So the weird thing is that Ole Miss has brought in like half of them. What are they going to do when they're going to have like six quarterbacks that all think they're the starter? No, I mean they have again. I think they have three quarterbacks. I think they yeah. have the same number we do. So I think they're. I, but again, they it is going to be a, some competition, and we'll see who starts and who doesn't play there, but. I agree. I think the the big miss was the Coastal Carolina guy, but it was a miss only in the sense that he wanted to come and we wanted him to come, and his academics wouldn't allow him to come. So yeah. But he, again, it wasn't an Auburn thing with him because he didn't go anywhere. There were other schools that wanted him also, and he couldn't get in there either. Now, I mean, you look around and people can get upset about other quarterbacks. I mean, the Wake Forest quarterback went to Notre Dame. That guy's a good player. But he was in the portal for about half an hour. Yeah. You know, he, he entered the portal with the intention of going to Notre Dame, Notre Dame. He entered the portal and then he signed with Notre Dame. And it was a, that one was a done deal before he ever. Opened. Right. Yeah. So, it wasn't like we swung and missed. The ball never came our no, direction. No, no. He was, that was a date. Notre Dame had locked him down before he entered the portal. Yeah. So, you know, other than that, I look around and I go, eh. I mean, uh, you don't want to take somebody that you don't really want, right? Just to be taking a body. Right. I mean, the guy I mentioned the other day, a few weeks ago, that was like the highest ranked QB in the portal at the time was a, a former four or five star guy that went to Washington, uh, Heward's younger brother. He just signed with a one up, you know, a FCS team. So, yeah. So, so there's a good chance, I think, that in the in, in the spring we could still go out and find somebody that's that we're happy with, right? I mean, there's still a chance. We're not going. Oh yeah, no. There're going to be good quarterbacks in the portal after spring practice. There was several last year. There were several good players in the in the portal after last year. We you know, we Auburn signed good players in the portal after spring practice. So I think it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's the deal uh, you had a note about free speaking at a high school coaches convention? Just the kind of thing that we fussed at a the potato staff for not doing is that he was at the Alabama high school coaches convention with Saban and Pittman and some other and Kirby, I think. And uh, it was a big deal. We got a lot, he and the staff were there. They got a lot of FaceTime with a lot of Alabama high school coaches and it went well. So, yeah, it, it seems like we are creeping back into having a chance, maybe having a chance 
to compete. Not, I mean, we're never going to win the state in recruiting. We know that. That's never been what we do, right? We go all over the southeast. We go to Florida. We go to Georgia. We understand this. But we have to at least make some kind of a dent. You can't just get shut out in the state of Alabama over and over and over. You just can't do that. And it seems like that's where we were headed there for a minute. And now maybe, you know, maybe we're now making a little inroads and being able to do something about that going forward. And that would be big. Yeah. Yeah, that would be big. So what about uh, practice and A-Day? So spring practice starting earlier than ever, I think, for Auburn. At the end of February, they're going to start actual spring practice. Yes, exactly. And then have some spring break in there and then some spread out practices and scrimmages. And then A-Day is April 8th. April 8th. So really what, well, you're saying that we're going to be starting practice so early in the wintertime that... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Yeah, they better hope not. Yeah, really. I don't think our players are prepared for that kind of outdoor football. It's so, so funny. My 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 buddy from Ohio, that that uh, Ohio State fan that does the Babylon Five show with me, we had such a good time talking football. We're not on the air, and he was talking about, uh, you know, coming down and playing in the southeast and everything. And I'm like, Andy, I said. Every time we play a northern team, a bunch of Auburn people are like, they ain't never experienced this heat before. They never, this community, they don't know, they're not going to be able to stand it. I said, every time that they say that, they come in and beat us by like 30. Right? When USC came out here, we're like, oh, USC won't know how. No, they killed us. You know, it just kills me how we pull that out. We pull that out every time, and it never has any bearing on reality. They always play just fine against us, and we're usually usually lose honestly uh, unfortunately um we did beat syracuse in overtime that one time other than that we usually don't do so well (laughs) yeah i've never seen the climate be a factor at all in any of those games you never see the uh, you know the whoever we play from the north and they're never like standing around dying and we're just like oh this is a spring day you know no that's never the case all right um all right, we got a little bit more to go. We've got listener questions coming up. We've got a little bit around the SEC type stuff coming up. But first, we've got to thank our patrons. Um, I do want to, by the way, say, you know, the portal taketh, giveth, the portal taketh away. But I do want to play the, play the song. So hopefully come the spring, we will find another quarterback, maybe a Offensive lineman or two, a linebacker, an edge rusher would be nice, right? We'd love to have another one of those. So, um, but we do. We we do not have ads on this program. Um, sometimes we don't even have internet on this program. <laughs> Tonight's a great example. This has been a this has been a crap fest of a show so far, and <laughs> they can't all be winners, John. Sometimes, sometimes they're winners. Sometimes it's just a big crap fest, and tonight's been a big crap fest. So it's kind of like kind of like crab fri- crab fest at tra- at Red Lobster, except with no internet. So it's a crap fest. <sighs> well, we have to thank our patrons who patiently put up with the nonsense when it's bad for the times that it's good, and we know the good times are coming. Though, and if you want to join their ranks so that I can thank you too, just go to www.auwishbone.com and 
Uh, and and the 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 Orbi system that we use that when the, that is working so wonderfully now now is a good example of what happens when you support us on Patreon. I go out to Costco and buy us a nice Orbi system so that our internet is so much better. Because this is funny, John. We um, when the Orbi quit working earlier and we lost the show entirely, I was able to get us back up using just the modem. And that's the connection we had back about four years ago that was so bad. We had the constant lag and the dropouts and everything that nobody wants to hear. And so that just shows you when the patrons come in hard and strong for us, then I can go to Costco and buy an Orbi system. And that's what gives me a landline type connection rather than a stupid Wi-Fi through three flights of stairs and a wall, you know, a couple of walls. So thank you, seriously, thank you, patrons, for making this show sound as good as it does when the dang thing's working. (laughs) This is the first time we've had any problem with it in all this time. So, But anyway, here are the fine folks who went to www.auishbone.com and clicked on the big orange button. They include Samuel Salvatore, Boris the Tiger's burner account, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Ann Kanjian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. Logan Chilton says... Hey, there goes Tankman! Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Anthor, Master Sommelier level sponsor, and paying for Adam Hill's grounds crew level sponsor. Well, thank you so much, Phil. You have always been a solid backer for our program and our network. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, um, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Freeze says, uh, I'm going to do with this one. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold. To your pleas of mercy. And then, there we go. I'll get it smoother next time, I promise. I'll get it better next time. That was. We're, it's just a, tonight, this is like an old wagon banging along a dirt road full of ruts tonight, but we're going to get to the destination before it's over. Uh, basketball season plus the basketball book of winning combinations since 2022. Amen to that. Remember, if you are a patron, you can uh, send us a message and request a copy of the of the book, a signed copy, or uh, you can go to uh, Amazon or to the AU bookstore and pick you up a copy. Uh, ben Bloodworth, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze has more O-line commits in four weeks in, than uh, potatoes had in two years. Uh, oh, Mark says, insert a sound clip. I'm going to go with... Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Yeah, that's always a good one. Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Logan, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Algorithm and Blues. Pass me the salt. I need it for all these old Miss fans. Amen. Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Browns. Um, let's see. The Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Does not serve potatoes. <laughs> That's 76. <laughs> that was a good one. I like people are now assembling. They're assembling their own audio. They're assembling their own comedy bits off the soundboard. That's brilliant. This is so good. Um, uh, official sleazy shyster 76 Tiger Esquire. Steve Harlan. The... <laughs> 
the lead singer for Schizophrenic Celery, the world's greatest dead milkman cover band. I, I believe you 100%. That's awesome. Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, It's Hugh Freeze Time, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Win Carroll, Winston Body, Returning to Everything School, I hope so. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, The Real Boris the Tiger, Brandon Smith, Carter Glaus, Cato the Barner, who is too excited about the birth of his daughter to come up with a Hugo Sleaze novel this week. Okay, well, congratulations, Cato. We're very we're congratulations. very Congratulations. Yeah, we're very excited for you. That's awesome. Um, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Diabama, Hugh Anderson, Jefferson Pilot, TSOD, now cursing AU basketball, too. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. Yeah. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, the guy in the parking lot who's had too much to drink harassing people in the parking lot of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! The most popular sound clip most requested on our show now. Tim Pittman, I bet there are people who would like pay extra uh, Patreon level for me to erase that audio <laughs> clip off the soundboard. What do you think? We'll now be accepting donations who who want to get rid of the Jones Barbecue Foot Massage soundboard. It's <laughs> probably the most and least popular at the same time that we've ever had. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Lord of the Rings trivia expert. Uh, what's Dalton's Brussels? There you go. Weagle87 at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company. Dang it, I forgot to check on that on Instagram at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company. I gotta do that. Alex Nguyen, Ben Amos, Ben Regis. Uh, <laughs> another Boris reference. Boris the Tiger proclaims, I am invincible. That's a Goldfinger. I mean, uh, I'm a Golden Eye reference, if I remember correctly. That's, uh, my wife's one of her favorite actors. Um, I can't think of his name now. He's the Scottish actor. He's currently hosting a show called The Traitor, which is a really fun uh, reality yes. show. Pretty cute. I'm not know, a big I reality know, I show. I know you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not a big reality show guy at all, but uh, she got me to watch the first episode, and that was pretty cool, just because I like him a lot. Um, he also played Nightcrawler in one of the X-Men movies. Uh, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane, I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle. Uh, play, oh, this is... Uh, let's see. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Like an unwanted neighbor that comes over and visits. From the Weather Channel, Reynolds Wolf. Thundersnow! Oh, that was good. Again, they're making up their own comedy bits off the soundboard, and I'm just pushing the buttons. I'm just, I'm just the operator here, man. They're making the calls. It's, it's impressive. A- a- Alan Cumming is the name of the operator. Alan Cumming is the yes, hundred percent correct. Thank you, Elizabeth Donald, who probably wonders what in the world she's gotten herself into here. Uh, escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. That one's always entertaining. Uh, and there's always the uh, the ever popular. We gotta get better at celebrating. That's right. I am Tiger. I torched Boris's burner account. There's so many Boris references on here now. It's amazing. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, 
the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. A.K.A. Auburn Dead for life. I know, I keep saying that too. It has failed it for the last time. Mark Squire, uh, MVP captivating Kathy Bright. Potatoes. <laughs> Kathy with a short one this time. Paul Banks and Royce Alvarez, Russell Southern, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom down Jones, at... barbecue foot massage. That's right. Sports Illustrated Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Why are you booing John? He's right. And Brant Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all so much. And now... Just go to, and, and by the way, just go to www.auwishbone.com. And now. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. Oh, oh wait, stop, stop, Erp, stop, stop, stop. We didn't do Guess the Game. Bring it on. Bring it. Jared, I'll give you two words. You understand, three words. Yeah, I know you understand. Bring it on. Hello, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, here with Guess the Game number 77. Guess the Game number 77 is brought to you by our listener, Wigaber. Let's listen and see what Wigaber sent in this time. A 44-yard attempt from square in the middle of the field. Can he win it for the Auburn Tigers? Good pass. Ball is down. Hooking... All right, not a lot to work with, but maybe your memories are sharp. If not, there's always the hint file, and I'll see you there. You know, first, John, I got to say, there's only one word that describes everything about this podcast tonight so far. Wrong! <laughs> it's all been wrong. I even just said I have two words for Jared. Bring it on. It's just this. The we're we're on a, we're a old wagon bumping down the dirt road, and wheels just keep falling off. I don't know how many wheels we got, man, but we're running out of we're running low on wheels. All right, field goal. Yes. End okay. of the game. Yeah. The announcer was. Oh, I know it. I know what it was. You know the answer. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the announcer I was, was, I was, was. I was. I was at this game. Um, uh, that announcer must have been a nighttime ESPN person. I'm. Thank yes, you. he was a nighttime ESPN uh, person from back in the day. Uh, I think that was Mike Patrick, maybe. But, yeah, uh, maybe so. Yeah, if it's and, if it's ESPN at night and it's not uh, our buddy, you know, the the great the great one. I'm blanking on him again. Um, then I just don't know who they are. So it was a nighttime field goal to win the game or to yeah. take the lead to win the game to win the game. Okay. So it was last and play of the game. Last play of the game to win the game on a field goal at home. It was at home, yes. Haven't been that many of those. No. Um, I think it was one where it was supposed to rain the entire game, and the rain started falling as that kick was in the air. The, the, clue, I'm, the clue that got me for sure, the clue that really pulled me in, is when he said it's hooking. And then it ended up going right down the middle, he said. Let me let me play me play it again. I'm gonna skip over percent and this time. A forty-four yard attempt from square in the middle of the field. 
Can he win it for the Auburn Tigers? Good pass. Ball is down. Hooking right through. He got it. No, that was All our right. guy. Not a lot to work with, but maybe I'm your right. memories are sharp. That was that was. Why am I not thinking of his name? Mike Gottfried is the color analyst, Mike. and that's and that's um that's uh yeah. Shoot. We'll think of it. So I, I don't I don't know what the game is, and you know what the game is. So let's hear it. All right, here comes the uh, the hint file. But uh, the I, the greatest, my favorite. Ah. Uh, I'll go ahead and play it. All right, guys, we're in the hint file now. I'm going to get rid of that bleep and help you out if you need it. A 44-yard attempt from square in the middle of the field. Damon DeWall, can he win it for the Auburn Tigers? Good pass. Ball is down. Hooking right through. He got it. There you go. I will see you guys in the answer file. Ron Franklin is the guy I'm trying to think of, and I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, that's I couldn't, who it is. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. So, yeah. So Duvall was early Tuberville. Yes. That is absolutely right. So two thousand one, two, three, two thousand one. What yeah. big again? I told you I don't know the game, so. Big, big home win in 2001. <laughs> that would be the Florida Gators. All right. That would be when uh, Spurrier, after beating us, our brains in the last several years, including twice in 2000, once I think it in, in Florida, and then in the SEC championship game, they beat us again. Um so we hadn't beaten them in quite a while since, I guess, 94, right? They beat us in 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2000. So, yeah, they had beaten us seven years in a row under Spurrier at this point after we won those two big ones. Mm-hmm. And this is the when we came back and got them. Um, and I... I can't remember what was so this it's been a while obviously. I can't remember what it was about this game that we ended up beating them. I know that we kicked this field goal, but how did we end up getting to the point? I can't remember. It's just been a long time. I need to We'll be we'll be writing about this one when we ever get to we believe volume 2. But yeah, let's go ahead and get the answer follow up. So it's 2001 Florida for sure with Spurrier. All right, Van, John, if you guys figured out that this is the Auburn Florida game from 2001 chomp 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 on it then you are correct yes i want to thank wigaber for sending that in i've had a couple of send in since last episode so be on the lookout for those of you who have sent in i appreciate those as a reminder you can always send those in to me on any of my social medias i am at yard sale artist twitter facebook and instagram or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, War Eagle. I think part of it is that I get the 2001 and 2006 games mixed up, you know, because they both yes. had big plays in the kicking game, and they were close, and we pulled them out at the end. Um but I just don't remember. I know that this is the game where Daniel Cobb played quarterback for us a good bit, and we were able to just kind of hang in there, sh- uh, kind of shut their offense down a lot of the way. 
and then um, it was just close. And then at the end, Duvall came out there. And the that was a game we were supposed to rain the whole game. And the wind came blowing in right at the end. And he kicked it like off to the right. And you could just see the ball like a like a hook, like the letter C almost. And it, when it came back in, it went right down the middle. And I believe this was when Duvall was in his run of like four straight, three or four straight game-winning kicks. He beat Vanderbilt. He beat Florida. Might have beat Ole Miss or Mississippi State somewhere in there. He 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 won like several in a row for us. So, but there you go. Good deal. Thank you, Jared. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that was a good one. That was good. All right, let's now. I think it's time. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right. So what do we got? All right, first question is from Bill Miner, who is the question. That he, the title of his email is the NFL and the Super Bowl, and he says, I know this is an Auburn podcast, but I'm curious if you follow the NFL at all and if you have any rooting interest. Many Auburn folks I know pull specifically for Auburn players and their teams, such as when Cam Newton was on the Panthers, but others have loyalties that are outside of their Auburn connections. Just curious where you guys land. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was all over the place. I liked the Raiders just because they were kind of cool, and they won the Super Bowl with John Madden and Stabler. You know, I didn't know anything about Stabler playing for Alabama. He was just the Raiders quarterback. And I liked uh, the Falcons, obviously, all those years when they were terrible, and just, there was no point, but I cheered for them anyway because they were the closest team to us, right? I was over there in East Alabama, and Falcons weren't that far away, a couple of hours to the east. Um, I, I've, I've had flings over the years with the Bears and the Buccaneers. Um, when Cadillac was with the Buccaneers, obviously. When, when, and when Cam was with the Panthers, I rooted for the Panthers just because I wanted Cam to, you know, to win a Super Bowl. Heck, yeah, that would have been awesome. Um, but what happened was the last time I was really into the uh, Falcon, really into the NFL – was when the Falcons had Michael Vick. And I was watching them every Sunday because it was exciting, right? It's like watching Michael Jordan with the Bulls. And then all that just fell apart, and I just lost all interest for years. And the only thing that brought me back, other than rooting for Cam and, you know, Cadillac and whatever, and Ronnie Brown, was um, when the Falcons got back to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And I, like, dusted everything off, got back into it. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll cheer for the, for the Falcons. This is awesome. This is their big chance, you know. And they go, and they blow the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. And I burned my Falcon shirt, and I said, I will never, never root for this team again. They are dead to me, dead, dead, dead. I don't care if the Falcons fold up their franchise and move to Baltimore or whatever. I will never cheer for the Falcons again. They're dead to me. So now I kind of just watch it out of football interest. But I, the only thing I've watched this year is I watched the two games yesterday. I watched the the Bengals and the Chiefs, and I watched the um, the Eagles and the um, whoever the Eagles 49ers. players. 49ers, yeah. and. But, I mean, the thing about the NFL is there's so much change in the teams in between seasons that if, you, if you're if you gone for, like, two or three seasons, it's like you don't even recognize the teams anymore. I mean, at least, you know, there's one thing with – this is what this is what's funny, John. Think about this. You know, it sh, it, you would think 
that the NFL teams would have more permanence because they hire professional players. Whereas you'd think the college teams would have more, would be more transitory, you know, and change all the time. And yet, honestly, the college teams seem more reliable and consistent. And if you don't watch an NFL team for like one or two seasons, there's a different coach. They're running a different offense and defense. The, the, the uniforms might even look different. I mean... There's something to be said for the continuity that, that a lot of SEC teams, especially in college football, you know what I mean? They, they keep like the jerseys look the same, you know, and everything. There's a lot of continuity there. The NFL, it seems like teams change coaches every two or three years. It's just, it, it just seems like a different bunch of teams every time I look away and look back. So it's just hard for me to maintain any interest when it just keeps – the turnover is so high. I don't know. I I'm I'm going to answer this by saying I grew up in Atlanta. and I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm going to be a Falcons fan. And even and it's sometimes it's not fun to be a Falcons fan. Yeah. Often it's not fun to be a Falcons fan. That's the truth. Um, and uh, I do cheer for Auburn players in the NFL to be successful. And mainly I, the other part is I just like to watch good football occasionally. And, um. When there's two really good teams playing, I'll watch. I don't watch every NFL game every game, so because I, I watch a lot of college football, right? And I can't do that two days in a row every weekend. So. No, and given the choice, I would watch Formula One or IndyCar over the NFL seven days a week. I just there are other sports I like much better than the NFL. But I was going to ask you this: I watched the two games yesterday, and and it seems to me. You know, we've always said that college football is more fun to watch just from terms of excitement because you get broken plays and trick plays and all kind of crazy stuff like that. The thing I noticed watching those four teams who were presumably the four best teams this year, right, they just seem to – it seems like they have a a handful of very specific plays and they just draw them up and call them, and they try to get a matchup and do a certain thing. And if it doesn't work, they punt, and they try to do their little thing. They, you know, they run this ball to here, and then they have this long pass, and then they punt, you know. And it's like either it works or it doesn't. It just doesn't seem very creative. It, you know what it reminds me of is, you know, when when professional soccer, like British soccer, when you get to the highest level, it just comes down to zero, zero, back and forth, looking to try to put that one play together to get a score in and then play great defense. And the NFL to me now seems like they're just trying to get those plays put together to get that one score and then play great defense. They'd be very happy to win seven to nothing. And it just, it's just not very exciting football to me. It's, it's plodding, methodical mechanical football. I just, and it's all the same. Even when they run different offenses, it still just looks the same. I don't know. Do you get a sense of that at all? Or is it just me? I don't know. I, I get, I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, actually the, I think there was some real, there was some variety just because I think the Eagles run a, because they have Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, they've kind of adopted. Yeah. He ran at Oklahoma basically. They're That's running true. The Oklahoma offense, and so it's not the same as like what the Bengals and the Chiefs are running and that kind of stuff. That's fair enough. Yeah, I would put it this way: when two college teams play, a lot of the time it's like two guys, drunk guys out in the parking lot, just flailing arms at each other, and that's pretty entertaining. 
But when the NFL plays, it's like two boxers circling each other, very carefully and calculatedly throwing a punch, and either it misses entirely or they knock your guy down, you know. And then they're back up and slowly circling in and deliberate, looking for an opening very carefully, and then boom. You know, it's just it just seems more deliberate and plotting and slow and it's just not as exciting to me so that's a good question I'm glad he asked that because I was wanting to ask you about that that's fair alright and our other question tonight is from Doc Kraken who says um, listener question what Marvel character would you say each quarterback on Auburn's roster is at the current moment before spring practice this is like a Jared yes. question isn't it uh, it is. He says, I plan on asking this for most position groups. So get your thinking cap on. <laughs> get ready. Get a team together to kick Thanos' large, grayish-purple, wrinkly behind. Uh, Sorry, now I have a six-month-old. I have to watch my language. So, <laughs> Wait, whose behind I, are we kicking? He said Thanos' is behind. Oh, Thanos. Okay, I like it. Gotcha. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, again, <laughs> we have a... a, a High school player who just signed and hasn't done anything. So, who's a Kate, hero who's like incredibly inexperienced and uh, you didn't know if he was actually any good? Either Ms. Marvel or Kate Bishop will work for that. Okay, so okay. that's the that's the new. And guy. then Gardner is you know talented but unproven and maybe shaky in this limited live action. Um, you know who hasn't really gotten to do much yet is the Wasp. I'm looking forward to the new Ant-Man Wasp Quantumania because she'll actually get to do something. Because she's only been in like one movie and then a couple of frames of, of, of Endgame, right? So I'll go the Wasp. That's probably not fair, but that's all I can think of right now. And then Ashford. Wait a minute. Who, who's Finley? He's on the way out. So he's uh, Captain America. <laughs> Or, like, oh, oh, God, wait, wait. Got run over by a snowplow on the way out. Hawkeye. Yeah, they, um, Too soon? Yeah, Hawkeye. Uh, I was going to say, Hawkeye doesn't miss, so. Well, he, he yeah, the, the snowplow didn't miss either, you know, so poor Jeremy Renner. But, uh, dang. I, yeah. So, all right, that all right, leaves uh, Ashford. Ashford. So, very talented, but kind of raw, needing some coaching up. Um. Could be She-Hulk. Um, I'm trying to think of who's out there. Guardians of the Galaxy-wise, um, no, they don't really fit. We just we don't have the Fantastic Four, the X-Men yet in the MCU. Um, but you could use one of those characters yeah. for this purpose. But. I, you know, in that case, I guess Ashford could be the Human Torch, right? All kind of flaming potential, but. Still kind of young, not proven yet. And, and got a little emotional during the game. Yeah, you that's know, fair. A little too much. Yeah, we'll go with that. There's probably like better it. answers, but that's just what comes to me off the top of my head. Yeah, that works. That's it. All right. I guess we can uh, hop in the Mobile and... Uh, Please clap. So what is going on around the SEC? Do we do we know anything about like um, in terms of football? We haven't really we've been so focused on our own transfer portal excitement. Um, 
did did like did Georgia lose anybody or gain anybody? Or are they just going to be a juggernaut again? I just haven't really heard any talk. They're losing a bunch of guys to the NFL. Yeah, that's yeah. embedded a bunch of defensive players. So yeah, um, you know, and Alabama's losing Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and some guys. So um, I, the the only around the SEC thing I was thinking about is that Alabama's still searching for offensive and defensive coordinators. Yeah. And they haven't uh, locked in either of those. There was an internet rumor tonight that it, that Saban interviewed Todd Grantham. Oh no! DC, but I don't believe that for a moment. That, it's the only place he hadn't coached besides Auburn, isn't it? He's he's been everywhere else. Right, so that is not going to happen. Don't there was a hot there, there was a hot minute we thought we were going to end up with him. I remember talking about it with you. But uh, yeah, I can do without him. That's a no. And so, no, they're not hiring that guy. So we'll see. Um, yeah, where do you go uh, if you're Saban? I mean, it seems like all the hot names have been claimed already. Again, like Jeremy Pruitt, he could get him. I think, you know, the guy who's Kirby's defensive coordinator is an Alabama guy that, yeah, you know, was a GAN or Saban or whatever. So there's some theory that he could try to grab that guy back or whatever. So we'll see. I, I, there's plenty of coaches that would crawl over glass to get that job That's right now. True. So, And then after they'd been there two or three years, they'd crawl over glass to get away. That's right. Kind of, kind well, of it and it's also like, this, I can't remember who's, oh, maybe Justin Ferguson was talking about this in their podcast. Like in modern football, you're not, it, defensive coordinators very rarely are going to look great. Like other teams are going to mm-hmm. score 40 points, even if you're, you know, even to get, Outside of Georgia, it's going to happen to everybody. And then for Georgia, it's probably – this isn't going to last forever. This is a, a periodic burst of of awesomeness on the defensive side. But they're going to – you know, they're going to have games where down the road other teams are going to score a lot of points on them. And it's it happens to everybody. It's happening to Alabama right now. And um, I think, you, you know, your defense coordinator, you're great as long as you're pitching shutouts. And then you turn around and – Tennessee scores fifty on you, or whatever, and they're going to burn you and burn you in effigy. Well, so, as great as Kevin Steele was for us on defense, remember before we had him, he gave up seventy to somebody in a bowl game when he was at Clemson or whatever. So, West yeah. Virginia, yeah. So you just never, uh, you never know, you never know. All right, I think that'll do it. We didn't have a ton to cover tonight, but I think we've had some fun and some frustration. I've nearly thrown my computer across the room a couple of times, but uh, we were able to salvage something, so there's that. So amen. So um, any final thoughts as we head toward the the uh, the the end of uh, the beginning and the beginning of the end, the start of practice coming up the end of next month? Let this episode be a lesson to you out there, kids. Persevere. <laughs> Never give up, never, never give up. I'm sure that's... Never give up, never surrender. Yeah. Never stop, never stopping. All right, our time is up. We thank you for your War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020.
This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.